It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We've watched the tape. It's time to dive into what worked for the Bengals offense and how good J2 Fele was. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. As always, we're joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter as we get into our film review episode, week seven edition, some takeaways from the Bengals' victory over the Atlanta Falcons. And I've got a new nose tackle, guys. My new favorite non-DJ reader nose tackle. We're going to talk about that a little bit later when we get to the defense. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Lockdown Bengals, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You did a great job yesterday if you're a YouTube watcher of hitting the thumbs up button. Appreciate it if you'll do that again and hit that subscribe button if you like what we do here on Lockdown Bengals and hit the follow button anywhere you get your podcasts. And guys, it's time to dive into some all 22 takeaways of how the Bengals got it going on offense. Mike, my first takeaway before I get your overall thoughts on how the offense performed is that Atlanta just didn't have answers in the secondary for what the Bengals were trying to do for the early part of the game. The way they were playing zone reminded me of the way defenders play zone in Madden. A lot of defending grass and not defending guys. What did you see from this offense and and what went so well on those four first drives of the game. Yeah, and uh, actually there's a reason a little bit for that is because they like to run all those creepers, simulated pressures, whatever. Uh, I think they were all creepers, really, at least so far as I'm in. Um, so they look like they have four guys on the line, and then a linebacker or a defensive back comes, and one of the ends drops. And uh, that's essentially what a creeper is. It's a four-man rush with a non-traditional so a linebacker or defensive back rushing, and then you drop the end usually on the opposite side to replace that. I'll move over. What's great about that is you can confuse protections, quarterbacks. Burrow actually took a few extra hits, sort of. He, he did a good job of rolling with them, but uh, because they'd get four to a side or three to a side and the Bengals were empty, so they couldn't get a, a back out to pick that up. But the bad part of that is uh, defensive ends aren't very good at, you know, matching route distribution and all of that type of thing. So they would just be dropping to a spot. That's really the idea. The the good and the bad of the creeper is you can only spend so much time with these pass rushers to try to get them to uh, learn coverage because most of their time is spent learning all those cool moves uh, or run defense. And then, um, but uh, yeah, that, I just, I think that uh, you were right. But uh, it has a reason because they're dropping these defensive ends, so they can't really do all that fun coverage stuff that a lot of teams can. Uh, as far as this this offense, have you noticed a big 
difference in the way they're attacking. You know, they they keep talking about the the short passing game and using the short passing game, but a play that Ted Karras picked and predicted on Saturday night and that they eventually went to. I think they were going to do it on the second down. That's what Zach Taylor said. And instead they do it after they get a couple of first downs because, you know, the Swiss cheese Falcons defense. But the deep ball to Tyler Boyd, was there a theme there? And do you think they did set that up uh, earlier in week, what, six against the Saints by doing all those RPOs and play actions out of the gun to be able to do that uh, against, uh, against the Falcons this week? To me, that was almost uh, a formation thing that caused that to happen and the safety not playing that very well. Uh, but, yeah, they send two guys basically at the safety. Higgins is going to expand outwards, and Boyd is going to very slightly go inwards, and he has to cover both those guys, and then he ends up just tripping and falling. But I don't think he's making – I don't think he's making the stop either way because he's just in no man's land. If that's protected well, which it was, then uh, that's an easy touchdown to one of those two, whoever he doesn't take. So that was actually a, a 989 variation, one of the Bengals' favorite concept, doubles, go. Um, so you got two go routes on the outside, and then you got your middle read, and uh, that's the speed bender almost a little bit that we talked about before. But uh, there goes Tyler Boyd up the middle of the defense, and nobody carried him. So a long way to say, uh, I don't know if that had too much to do with the RPOs, but it definitely, uh, the play action and the running game from the shotgun does set that up because it's been working so well that teams actually have to respect that almost as much as their under center run game. I mean, it's actually been better than their under center run game. So uh, I think you almost need to respect it a little bit more. Yeah, they only had one really terribly productive run under center in this game that came on that final drive, a nice thought it was wide zone rep for Joe Mixon where he gets a nice jump cut, gets upfield, but they, they stayed in the shotgun and, and you talked about this. It wasn't as much RPO this week. They went back to what they did last year so well, and it was a lot of those doubles concepts, a lot of nine, eight, nine or variants. There were, there were a few other staples in there. I don't recall seeing an RPO until that quick out to T Higgins in the fourth quarter that was ruled incomplete. Were, were there others besides that, or was it, a totally different game plan. Yes, still in the shotgun a majority of the time, but much less RPO this week than previous weeks. Yeah, definitely less RPO than the previous weeks, uh, especially than I felt like, yeah, the last two weeks, there's been a lot of them added in. You think it's part of the run game <clears throat> and then they just kind of cut it out. I didn't see any. I'm going to go back and watch again just to make sure that some of these handoffs didn't have run action with them but or a pass action with them, like a glance mm -hmm. or an out, something like that. But I didn't see too many RPOs, which is interesting because I thought they were working really well, but I think it, it could also be a game plan thing where a lot of these creepers and uh, simulated pressures that Atlanta like to do, those are kind of RPO defenders because you're either going to run into the pressure uh, or you're possibly throwing into the dropper, the defensive end dropping. If you think of the Patrick Mahomes uh, interception on that RPO where he kind of double clutches and throws it to B.J. Hill, that was off of a, like a, a simulated pressure creeper type look where BJ Hill's dropping out, the ends dropping out and they got guys coming from that side. So he has to quicken his process and he's just saying, Oh no, they, they, they defended both sides of this pretty well. He just tries to fire one in there and that didn't work. So I think um, it went away a little bit because of the way the Falcons play defense. I, I wouldn't say that it's gone for good or anything like that. 
I know you probably haven't looked and we're, and we're still looking back at the Falcons game, but do you think as a lot of people start to think about that Monday night matchup that the RPOs would make sense against Cleveland? Uh, I, I think it would make more sense because I don't think they run any of those creepers or simulated pressures for the most part. Uh, they'd like to get into their four down base and just rush those guys. I don't see Miles Garrett dropping <laughs> into coverage very often as a way to tell the difference well, there. I, I hope so. I hope they just drop on every play. <laughs> just free safety Miles Garrett. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, from, from the defensive end to the deep middle of the field, this is a great game plan for them. Um, yeah, I, I think that they could be more in play this week against the Browns. I also think that the Browns are almost a team on uh, uh, their defense is kind of something that's, it's kind of a Burger King. You have it your way, whatever you want to do, <laughs> you know, you want to run, you want to pass it's, it all work. Oh, wow. wow. That's a good one. Are you, are you a podcaster now or something? Mike, you got these quips. You never had these before you stepped up your game. <laughs> yeah. Miles yeah, Garrett, it's, 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 uh, for the record, I'm hungry now. has dropped really into hungry. coverage once this year, according to PFF. Jadavian Clowney has dropped into coverage twice, which is twice as much. I just back him up. Math. Back him up. I want to talk about this offensive line a little bit as well, Mike. They have been better for the last five weeks. The, the pressure rate for Joe Burrow has taken a severe decline since those first two weeks of the season. Let's talk about what they did well, where some of those issues were, and we'll get into that. Coming up next, first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every potential new hire can feel high stakes for your small business. And you want to make sure that you can be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, because they will help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Not everybody has Joe Burrow telling them to go hire Jamar Chase given the choice. Sometimes you need a little bit of help and LinkedIn jobs can do that for you. Simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. So I small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now I got to tell you about bird dogs because bird dogs are the comfiest sweatpants, joggers, shorts on the planet. They're soft like that Charmin. Charmin little bear that you're talking about that you've heard about or soft like Bengal Sands as he tries to block. Oh, I'm just kidding. High school Bengal Sands was a really good blocker. But the point is, is bird dogs are perfect for you. I have a pair of the joggers. I have some shorts. I have some khakis. Guess what? I can wear them all the time. All week. It's been really warm out in Cincinnati. So guess what I've been able to do? Wear the shorts, but the joggers, they're not too hot. I've been able to wear them to the locker room as well in they're stylish enough to get away with in professional settings, but comfortable like sweatpants. So check them out right now at birddogs.com. Use promo code locked on, and they're going to throw in a free bird dogs row pat. Again, that's a free bird dogs row pat with promo code locked on. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com, use promo code locked on. It's the most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built in liners. You will not take these things off. I promise you, bird dogs is where it's at with promo code locked on. 
take them off to put them in the laundry. That's what I do with my favorite pants. And then they go right back on. And, Sorry, uh, Sans. I didn't mean to make fun of you. The the Charmin Bear too? Man. I, hey, I mean, that's that's what it is, man. So the Bengals have had probably their best passing day of the year. I, I don't think that's too debatable at this point. They they were really good. They they in the first half nearly flawless and until their quick drive at the end of, of the half. A lot of this to me is because Joe Burrow has time and he's starting to look comfortable and more confident in his protection. You're right. There were you're right when you said this earlier in the first segment. For those of you that forget, they did have some issues with these creepers a couple of times. Turns out 54 and 44 sound pretty similar when they're trying to point out which way the protection needs to go. Just uh, something that may or may not have happened uh, on the field for the Bengals this week. But the protection by and large for the last five weeks has been better. Joe Burrow's getting the ball out quicker. But what are you seeing from this offensive line? Is this the, the crystallization that we've been looking for? Is there a little bit of a you know, quality of competition issue here? What do you think, Mike? You're muted again, Mike. Yeah, I do it once a week. Uh, yeah, quality of competition a little bit, just uh, but you got to think they got Grady Jarrett, and I don't think Lorenzo Carter is like nobody, and uh, Arnold Ebiketti's a nobody's a high draft pick. So there are guys, there, it's not a ton of guys, and they don't really, they wouldn't run all these creepers and stuff if they had dudes, <laughs> but they've got Grady Jarrett, and that is a dude. And uh, while he got the better of both Kappa and Volson. Um, overall, I thought they did a pretty good job on him. I thought Ted Karras was really good in pass protection, at least at times. Uh, he had a one-on-one essentially with Grady Jarrett, and he was able to wipe him out of the pocket and clear the lane actually on that deep ball touchdown to Tyler Boyd. So love that. I thought that overall everybody played pretty well. It was very odd that Alex Kappa was kind of the weak link him or Volson, one of the two were the weak link. And um, I don't think that's always been the case. Law Collins uh, sometimes was, he he was that guy for a few weeks. I guess Volson's been that guy a few times. This might have been the first time Kappel was. Thought Jonah and Karras were solid, maybe even better than that. And then everybody else was good enough, fine, something around those lines. They weren't bad. Nobody was bad enough that, you know, Burrow's taking a bunch of hits. A lot of the hits almost happen structurally because they like being in the empty mm-hmm. so much that when you send that two guys off of the edge, Burrow has to get it out high, and that's great because you're getting these, like, eight-yard gains on a one-step throw dump off to the running back. But that also means he's just going to, you know, he's going to also probably take a couple hits. I thought his best play came on a play that the uh, – well – I don't know about his best play. One of his best plays, there's so many great Burrow plays. I don't know if we've talked about that at all. Is that It's almost like, I don't know, the top five plays he's had this season, there could be like three from this game. But one of my favorite plays was uh, they ran F-cross with Tyler Boyd running the over-crosser, and he throws it. I didn't even notice it but until I watched the end zone copy. And Grady Jarrett launches Volson down to his knees and smashes Burrow on that play, and he still – Gets the ball off perfectly right into Tyler Boyd's one outstretched hand. And that was just awesome to watch. Um, but overall, I thought the offensive line, it still looks more gel, more continuity, more uh, cohesive. It's just a better unit. So even when you get a couple guys that are playing, performing a little bit under expectations, the overall general play and the communication from this line seems to be getting much better than it was in the early weeks. The floor is higher, which I like. Raise that floor, and then we'll worry about the roof for this offensive line. Um, I think 
Sands, a lot of people are going to look at Joe, Joe Mixon's rushing stats and see the 17 carries, didn't even top 60 yards, and say, oh, see, they can't run the ball. I've seen some of those YouTube comments because, yeah, I do try to pay attention a little bit, and especially in season, just to see what people are saying. It's, ah, still can't run the ball. And I actually I thought that they, they were able to run it a little bit when they, they wanted to. They just didn't really want to against the league's worst passing defense. Uh, what did you think about this offensive line and, and run blocking on Sunday? Yeah, not just the least worst passing defense, but also missing their top corner um, for almost the entire game. So I thought the run blocking was all right. Uh, nothing, you know, tremendous. I thought the run blocking was good the past two weeks. This week, more all right than good. I, they stunt a lot. They move these guys a lot. Sometimes I can just mess things up, stress things. I thought Mixon was fine. I Maybe better. I thought Mixon was good. He looks good and healthy now. I think that's like one of the big differences. Even when the run game wasn't perfect and he got those carries, you got to remember, you know, there's what, two, three on the goal line he didn't convert on, or he converted on one of those. And then, you know, short yarded situations, just the run game, the ceiling is just not there. So even if you have a successful run, it's for like one or two yards. So that's kind of the issue with the yards per carry idea here. But I do think it wasn't as good as the past two weeks. So they were a little less diverse than they were against the Ravens and they didn't have the threat of the pass or the ability to just get those good looks because he's prepackaged and sees, ah, this is a pass look. This is a run look and getting the very optimal look from uh, the pre-snap. They also went under center more in this game. And like I said, I think they had one really good under center run that wasn't on the goal line. They went under center back on their own goal line. I think two plays in a row, or maybe it was just the one they, they got stuffed on that first down. Then you're right. They had a few down on the, on the Atlanta goal line that go for minimal yardage. So a lot of under center runs didn't go for much. I haven't seen the, the splits for shotgun versus under center runs this week in terms of productivity, but I would bet that they were more efficient from shotgun, even though they probably had a few more carries out of the gun than under center in this game still just doesn't look like they're all on the same page when they go under center in, in terms of, you know, it seems like there's one guy on every play that, you know, there's a miscommunication or there's a guy that's losing a little too fast. And it, it just all looks more in sync from the gun. And one thing that I noticed early in this game, Mike, that I loved and I hope this continues, is that remember how early in the year we were talking about how teams are just like sitting flat-footed and screaming downhill when they go under center? This week, by comparison, when they're running out of shotgun, you're seeing you know defensive backs dropping back into their zones on the snap and then having to react and get downhill when they see it's a run. And that's what moving to the shotgun has done for this team, right? Yeah, and then not even just that. When they start getting run on, these defensive coordinators start getting a little annoyed, a little impatient, and then you start seeing the single high coverages that they just absolutely destroyed in this yeah. game. So it's it's both they are nervous about the pass when once this team gets into the shotgun, and then they get a couple good runs and a couple underneath passes, and now they're starting to creep back up because – they, they just – they hate that. They hate giving up eight-yard plays. You know, that, that's not fun for a defense. It's annoying. Yeah, it's very annoying. So they're saying like, all right, we'll go – we'll we'll put the safety down this time. We'll stop either that run or we'll stop Boyd over the middle and then, boop, that's just the Jamar Chase touchdown. And they started in cover two and then cover three and then man and then none of it worked and then the Bengals started picking him apart with back shoulder stuff against man and, and that's how Joe Burrow had a great day. Sorry, James. The 32-yarder to Jamar Chase – 
absolute dime, according to Chase. Burrow's best throw to Chase ever. Do you agree? Uh, I don't. There, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, I almost think that the throw throws. last week from against the Saints was that one better because that was a really nice throw too. Not not the just the you know back shoulder curl whatever that was, but the inside release like very very skinny or inside release go. Uh, I thought that was a really nice throw. That was almost hand to hands handoff. Mm-hmm. Not that this one was. I don't think you could have replaced that throw that you had this week better with like a drone. Um, so. Awesome job from Joe Burrow. It's up there. It's definitely up there. I also I tweeted it, but the sluggo he threw against the 49ers in the like the corner inside pylon. Uh that was really nice too. I love that one. It's just yeah. over the throw over the shoulder in between two defenders. Perfect. When he's so, dialed awesome. in. Yeah, when he's dialed in, it's insane. So we'll we'll see if he's dialed in on Monday night against the Browns as he goes for his First, when we need to switch gears, though, and talk about the defense, yes, defense, and maybe I'll make Jake do a little math since he was so bad on our last show. But first, a word from Prize Picks because Prize Picks is daily fantasy the way it should be. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, imagine a world where you can pick players and take Joe Burrow to throw for more yards than their Prize Picks projection, or Jamar Chase to go for more yards, or Let's use a Brown, for example, Jacoby Prezet to go for less yards. And you do that, and you pick two to five players, and you can win big money. I've mentioned Stan the Man multiple times. I know he's one a, he's a loyal listener. Actually, thank me for mentioning him. But the reason I mention him is because he's proof that prize picks can work. You're not competing against other people. It's you versus the projections available. And you could do it NFL-wise with the Bengals on Monday Night Football all across the league. If you want to pick other teams, other players, you could do that. NBA. You could do that too. You want to pick Russell Westbrook to break 52 shots and not score any points? You could do that. It's not just NFL or NBA. I feel bad, by the way. Everyone's being mean to Russell Westbrook, and I just joined in. Major League Baseball, PGA, college football. When college basketball comes back, they have you covered. So Prize Picks is where it's at. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. They're going to match your deposit up to $100 right now with a 100% instant deposit match with promo code Locked on. So if you deposit 100 bucks, you're going to get 100 bucks right now with promo code locked on. Prizepicks.com or the Prizepicks app with promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time to talk about the defense and my favorite. What's one plus one plus one? Three. My favorite player on this Bengals defense on Sunday against the Falcons was Jay Tufele. The guy only played 21 snaps in this game. But, man, I was more impressed, Mike, after turning on the tape and watching him closely than I even was watching live when he stood out a few times and it looked like he had a few plays, but he won in multiple different ways in multiple different situations in run defense, even had a couple nice pass rushes thrown in there, lined up a lot of nose tackle, but even kicked out as far as five, I think uh, five tech over the tackle, I think a couple times, or at least four, I, which would be 
on the inside shoulder of the tackle. It was a really impressive game for Tufele in a game when they needed somebody to step up. It really looks like they found something there. Yeah, uh, we were all worried about the absence of DJ Reader. Just last week, it seemed like whoever they put at nose tackle, they couldn't handle the double teams. They couldn't handle the double teams, and that you know the front's getting moved. Tufele gets in there. Now he doesn't take on the double teams at the same level of DJ Reader, who doesn't give up any ground when he does that. He gets up uh, just a tiny bit of. Um, just like a yard of ground, but there was the one play. It was my favorite. Uh, he gives up a yard of ground on the double team, but then puts the right guard in the ground when the center goes to the next level and still makes the run stop. I thought that was dominant play from him. Just overall, there was like four or five splash plays in the run game. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do, especially as a nose tackle. So I thought he was thought Jay Tufele was great. Um, honestly, it looked to me like. One, you've got a rotation piece for when Reader comes back. But two, it feels like Tupo comes back. I don't know. It might be Tufele time uh, instead of Josh Tupo just taking oh the reins back as the uh, nose tackle. Oh, see, this is now Jake Lisko is no, torn between his ex, his ex, who I'm tackled not. Jamar Chase in space once upon a time. Not Jamar Chase. Or, or Lamar Jackson. Excuse me. <laughs> no one can tackle Jamar Chase. Lamar Jackson. Ah, yeah. there's a chance uh, they don't tackle in camp, so no one actually tackled Jamar <laughs> Chase right. on the Bengals. Um, but Lamar Jackson in space, Josh Chupo, Jay Tufele, you're you're already moved on, man. You yeah. got divorced, moved out, and moved in in a week. Look, man, that the NFL, the it's, a, it's a tough place where it's a what have you done for me lately <laughs> kind of league. This and dude. Jay Tufele, thanks for the pronunciation, James. He's good right now, man. He is the the DT three, and and Zach Carter also had a his a better game. I'll say for you, Zach Carter. You literally saw J two Fele move in across the street, and yep. you were like, "Honey, I love you, but have you seen Jay? Sorry, Josh. And Look, you just bolted the moment she had a bad day. Anyways, neither just, of these guys are DJ Reader, who's a freak show, but J2 Fele is is pretty dang good. I I would say. And my favorite rep was the uh, the club swim. Just yeah. discarding he also got the better of the the Atlanta center a few times on on some zone plays, just not being moved at all. Used Use uh use like the one arm really well, stack shed, maintain that distance really well. But he had a club swim to get into the backfield on a play that was really nice too. Yeah, I felt like they wanted to get a few more of those quick wins, and Tufele was there to get one of those because you get a quick win, and then you get a tackle for a loss, and now they've got to throw the ball. They're getting behind the chains. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, some coaches don't like that club swim. They're just you know too dangerous. You know, getting out of your gap or something. But uh, no, worked out on that one. When it works, it's beautiful. So That's I like right. that rip a lot too. Mike, let, let's let's take this entire defensive line into account now. Joseph Osai obviously had his first sack. Sam Hubbard's having. A career year, it, it, it appears. It looks like Trey Hendrickson's going to be back. Tufele's emerging now. How do they stack up with this run-first Browns defense or Browns offense that is going to want to pound the ball? And anytime I think about prime time and Browns, I think about DJ Reader after the 2020 Thursday night game, just being furious that the defense could not stop that rushing attack at all. And I know this defense is much much different than the 2020 defense. Believe me. But no reader, we know that he's not going to be activated to the 
21 day window is not going to be activated. Are you you confident with what they can do here with, I think, the best running back duo in the league, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the other side? Not overly confident, mostly because Atlanta did was not, they didn't run the ball that well, but they had that one drive where it felt like every run they had would be like one five drive. yards picking it up. Uh, just, you know, the Browns are a better run game. So that's why the one drive makes me concerned is if they completely stopped Atlanta, I'd be more confident. And I think individually some of these guys, they've been stepping up, but now you're facing a tougher opponent. Uh, as good as the Atlanta Falcons offensive linemen can be, none of them are Joel Batonio or Wyatt Teller. Uh, so that's that's a tougher matchup. Can can Tufele uh, make the club swim on Joel Batonio instead of whoever uh, he did that on? You know that that'll be extremely impressive if he can. You know, just winning those reps against those guys and not giving up your ground. Once again, I think just like it was this week, the best the best run defense they can have is going up fourteen in the first quarter, just like they did this week. Even though Atlanta still was really <laughs> going to run that ball, even when they're down 21 in like the third quarter, um, didn't care. But yeah, if you get up on a team, it makes it harder for them to just keep pounding the rock, especially when you get a few runs that don't work. I do think without reader, some of that quick win stuff, the going to try to play a little bit fast at times and slanting, stunting, using your club swim, your swims over to get TFLs. That might be your best move to try to get Brissett to throw the ball from behind the chains rather than just what they normally like to do is play slow and just force two-yard gains the entire time. Um, I'm not sure if this defensive line is good enough to play slow against the Browns' offensive line. Yeah, the, the Jake, Browns – go ahead. J- Jake, what's 97 minus 91? Six. That is your favorite wow. number. You know why? That's how many points a touchdown is worth. Jay Tufele minus Josh Tupo equals six. Mm. 97 minus 91. You just got the 91 out of your life and you added 97. Look, I still like Josh Tupo. Nah, man. You can't can't do this now. Yes, I can. Yeah, oh, no. You're all in on Tufele. I I think that Jay Tufele has shown plenty to be a, a long term piece after being a waiver claim for this team. And that means they get him for a couple more years, which is, he was, is great. Another man's trash. He was probably the best interior defensive lineman last week. And I, and I'm probably, I, I think I pretty definitively say yeah, he's yeah. the best. I don't think that's close. The thing about the Browns that, that I wanted to mention that you were talking about their guys with getting out to an early lead, the Browns, unlike the Ravens are willing to throw the ball. They're yeah. unlike the Falcons uh, are, are going to throw the ball if they're behind. And they they're, have a good, not rec- gonna stay that a good receiver. They have a good receiver. In and some only one pieces. because yeah. David Njoku is, is not going to play in this game. I, I will say, though, Donovan Peoples-Jones. What's that guy average? 90 yards against Cincinnati and like a 500 career? On I, one catch. They should, trade, they should trade for Baker Mayfield for just this game and then just send him <laughs> back to Carolina. I mean – it's, it is on one catch, by the way. God, people are going to hate that comment. The point is, is Baker has a really good record against the Bengals. Well, we'll see if Kareem Hunt is still on the Browns as well because by he's the way, on the block, apparently. He shouldn't be. They should trade him, and I know we're not going to go. They should. Why would you not? The Rams will give you something. They want a running back, and my uh, fantasy team wants him on the Rams. So trade uh, I thought I thought the Jets would be a destination before they traded for uh, James, James Robinson. The, yeah. I, I I even talked about it yesterday on Twitter. I, like I publicly tweeted like, "Yeah, the Jets, the, the Jets need a running back." Brees Hall, they're five and two. I like that trade for the Jets. I think James Robinson's solid. He's not great, but he's solid. Yeah, he'll he's, he'll be fine. He's a good back. Gets the yards in front of him. He he's not Brees Hall. That's for sure. 
Mike, uh, let, let's get some closing thoughts here real quick. Cam Taylor, Britt getting uh, more snaps than Eli Apple in this game. Not a huge test for him in the passing game, but Eli Apple the last few weeks is, is busting some coverages. He's letting guys get behind him. He's only been really punished for it once. But uh, what did you see from Cam Taylor, Britt, as, as he may be pushing for this starting job? In uh, run defense, I think he can get almost a little too aggressive at times with how he wants to push wide receivers around and hang on those blocks a little bit and kind of exert himself physically. Um, in pass defense, I I think Cam Taylor Britt, he's probably a tiny bit too physical right now. And that makes sense because the college game is mm-hmm. more physical when before the ball's thrown, anything like that. But, you know, in coverage, the college game's allowed to be more physical. They don't have that defensive holding really uh, called in the college game. You're allowed to hit these guys when they're more than five yards downfield. It's kind of pre-2000, whenever they changed that rule, NFL type of coverages. So uh, he's probably used to having a little more leeway. So he got, I believe he got a illegal contact, something penalty, defensive holding. Um on him and it made sense because he he's hitting these wide receivers probably just a tiny bit too much not the catch technique where they run into you but he's throwing hands technique where he's hitting them instead so he uh, just need a tiny bit le- i'd rather have my corner be a little more physical than less physical though so a tiny bit too physical in coverage um but he j- he seemed amped to be out there and he was the better corner of Oh, I guess it would be hard to say he was the worst corner unless he gave up a 75-yard touchdown as well. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens there. there. It looks like there's an opportunity, though, despite Luana Rumo's rhetoric about not rotating corners and all this I, stuff. He got he outsnapped Eli Apple by I, 12 or something. And here's the thing, man. Who likes apple juice? I like apple juice. Yeah, you know what? Apple and juice. It's Cam Taylor Britt's nickname and Eli Apple. It's going to work out. The Bengals number two. Apple. Are you saying the bench Chidobe was you? (laughs) I'm confused. Where where are we going here, guys? Uh, A couple quick shout outs, real quick. Shout outs. Before from tape on defense, and we haven't had time to get into it. You're going to be like, at Bengals fan one, two, three. Shout out. Just, Just Von Bell, real quick. Von Bell had one incredible run defense play where the, the Falcons are doing all sort of misdirection with like orbit motion and a fake toss and, and Von Bell is having none of it and, and shoots a gap, gets in the backfield, fights through a stiff arm for a tackle for a loss. Love that play from Von Bell. It's a quintessential Von Bell play. The, the discipline, the intelligence, the physicality to fight through a stiff arm for a tackle for a loss. And so shout out Von Bell. Hey, no shout out. Jesse uh, Bates. Bates. Save the yeah, Jesse Bates had a couple of big tackles too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That screen was like yeah. awesome look for the Falcons. And he beats the offensive lineman block to make That's the tackle true. and bring up third down where Marietta threw it behind a guy on the screen. Didn't work. And you know who might be entering the top five ping pong rankings in the locker room? Just just since we just mentioned his name. Jesse Bates, pretty darn good. Jesse good, Bates. Good ping pong update. So, yeah. so I'm on Monday. Whew, he doesn't play much around us, but man, that dude. People are going to hate it. They're going to be like, he needs to be studying more film and making more plays. I yeah. guess that's what he was doing in the offseason, <laughs> playing ping pong. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got, should the Bengals move on from Joe Mixon tweets this, <laughs> this week? And while I get it, like he has a big cap hit, he's a running back. They're not running the ball as much. Like, I understand why the question is coming up. 
I'm just not ready to talk about that yet. Maybe ask me in in late February, but I, I think Mixon's playing at least next year. Are, are you contract. sure? Are you sure you didn't write a column saying that they should trade Joe Mixon in a pick for Christian McCaffrey? You that wasn't you. I I mean I might have been like sleep writing. It doesn't sound like something conscious Jake would yeah. would ever say out loud. I didn't anyway, think you'd get math wrong either, and that happened this week. So well, you know. Sometimes one divided by one isn't one. Coming up J- next J2 on LA for life. Locked on Bengals. We cross over with Locked on Browns and start to look forward to Monday Night Football, Halloween in Cleveland. Until then, thanks to Mike Santagata for joining us. Thanks to you, the listener, for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. Until next time, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.